Hello, and welcome to Asia In-Depth. I'm Michelle Flor-Cruz. In 2015, Shiori Ito, a young Japanese journalist, approached the police with a stunning allegation. Noriyuki Yamaguchi, a prominent editor with close ties to then-Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, had drugged and raped her following a meeting to discuss a potential job. The police discouraged Ito from filing a report and subjected her to a humiliating interrogation. Yamaguchi denied the charge, and, despite ample evidence in support of Ito's claim, the police declined to prosecute him. Shiri Ito decided to make her claim public. In doing so, she sparked a reckoning about sexual violence in one of Asia's most deeply patriarchal societies, where an overwhelming majority of rapes are not reported. Ito's allegation is credited with launching Japan's Me Too movement, and it eventually led to a measure of justice. The Japanese government strengthened the country's century-old laws against rape, and in 2019, a court ordered Yamaguchi to pay Ito damages in a civil trial. But sexism remains deeply entrenched in Japan. Last month, the head of the organizing committee of the Tokyo Olympic Games, Yoshira Mori, resigned after saying that women talk too much. Days later, Japan's governing Liberal Democratic Party announced that it would now allow women to observe its all-male board meetings, provided they don't speak. In this episode of Asia In-Depth, we're going to hear much more from Shiori Ito, a member of the Asia Society's Asia 21 network of young leaders. She recently sat down at Asia Society Japan with Japanese journalist Aiko Doden. Ito begins the conversation by discussing what the resignation of Yoshiro Mori tells us about sexism in Japanese society. It's sad to hear from Mr. Mori that after all of the year of hashtag MeToo and after many talks and news coverage and, you know, we have didn't haven't seen him, you know, learn from what happened in the past. So, you know, of course we were angry, not just because he said that part, just because it's been, it hasn't changed mm-hmm. over a year and many years. And so, you know, him stepping down, I don't think it wouldn't change um, the issue or it wouldn't solve the issue. He also say that he often hear that, you know, his committee is saying the same things. So that's why he's saying, meaning the committee itself is talking in the same way. So it is a big issue, but meaning it has been talked about, you know, top level of, you know, JOC, but it is our in within in our daily life as well and small organizations for sure. And that is why it triggered many people's, you know, anger. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you see, think the news said about our society? Um, you said that it's not just about the, the close meetings at the JOC, mm-hmm. but perhaps it's about the society in general. It's, it's in our so? structure, in, a, in our system. It's embedded in a deep way. So... I was shocked when I saw his so-called apologized, um, you know, um, press conference because I don't think he had a meeting with his team. What was wrong with what he had said? He didn't clearly understand. And till today, I don't think he understood what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I am so sad that uh, his team also didn't talk about it, seems like, to him. And that is a main issue. Um, that seems like I thought, you know, seeing the news, we talked about it so many times, but seems like there are certain people that haven't mm. care about it too much. So, and what he have said about women talks too much, 
it means that he does he don't want, he doesn't want to listen to them. If he mm -hmm. listened to what these women were saying was the interest, I don't think he would ever felt that uh, they were speaking too long. So mm -hmm. I think that shows a lot of his perspective on women. Right, and that's the um, IOC statement um, articulated. It's really about inclusion and diversity mm. and, and gender equality um, that, that, that is at the core of the mm -hmm. issue, isn't it? And yeah. as you say, that there's so much work that, mm. that we still so need to do. So much work. And I mean, if Mr. Mori is stepping down, what I wish is that uh, him trying to, you know, um, study from his mistake and bring the awareness why he have done so, why he have said that, to really have a time to think of his past and his, you know, um, responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if we can hear that from him in one day, I think then we can say that we made a step, mm -hmm. but it doesn't make any change, just him quitting. Mm -hmm. It's not just him. Mm. It, it's a sort of a, a message to all of us, perhaps, yes. the society. I see. Um, uh, that there have been questions regarding this news as well. Mm. But, but first, we'd like to, to hear from you, Shioli-san, uh, with your initial remarks. Um, so, I'm, you know, the, like what you uh, quoted, there were hashtag don't be silent after what Mo Mr. Mori said. And I think one of... Um, the best label that I've got, I got many labels as a, you know, victim, as you know, survivor. But one of the best label I think I got was silence flaker. Mm. I was when I heard that words, I was so empowered, because myself, growing up in Japan, I have been silenced to so many years and didn't know how to raise my voice. So when I heard that term, I was so empowered, and. People say that I, you know, sparked hashtag me too, but I actually um, talked about my own experience on um, sexual violence six months before the me too movement happened. So for me, I felt quite isolated until the me too movement happened. <laughs> I felt the reaction from the public was quite, um, you know, the, I, I guess people couldn't understand why I wanted to talk about the experience. And some said, if you are true Japanese woman, you wouldn't talk about such a shameful things. But that's the thing. That's how we have been silenced. So I decided to, um, you know, voice out and talk about the, the thing that I never want to share with anyone. And it, it was 2017. And the law has changed, but the part that are of what we wanted changed the most, which was about consent, you know, non-consensual sex is rape. It's, it's, you know, almost becoming international standard, mm -hmm. but uh, it's not in it in, you know, our law, our sex offense law. And I have, right now, I have really many emotions because they were, we, you know, um, after they have a small, well, small, a big and big changed um, after in 2017, after, you know, it hasn't changed for past 110 years, it finally changed, but they didn't put the part of consent. Mm -hmm. And they were given 
um, us that we have three years to review it. So right now, since last year, there is a committee to talk about what we need to change, what we need to update. And we have, I think next month, March, they are closing the committee and decides what they're going to update. And I just got a, a message from one of the member saying that, uh, Shiori, I don't think we are making progress on consent. So seems like if um, the conversation continued this way, it wouldn't change. And that was shocking. After all years, all three years of you know hearing many voices from survivors, many stories of Me Too, we haven't learned that um, anything. If they don't change the law, law you know, um, structure our lifestyle, daily life, and if you know they don't put the part of consent, I don't know what I sacrificed for. So right now, today. You know, thinking about how we can do more than, you know, there are petitions going on online and I, you know, I want people to encourage to do so. But what else can we do? And so today I'm very, you know, I have many mixed emotions being with you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And of course, um, living in the pandemic mm. uh, where uh, meeting people or organized gathering mm -hmm. um, for the, the purpose that you have mm -hmm. just articulated um, has become even more difficult. Mm -hmm. So um, transforming the mindset of the people uh, and transforming the norm of society that may ultimately influence the, the, the legal structure, mm -hmm. um, th that part has become even more difficult. Would you think so? I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, you know, I think after um, this pandemic in Japan, we start using hashtag to voice, you know, to raise voices, which is amazing change that I've, we've been witness. Mm -hmm. So again, I want us to really um, think if we, you know, um, if we can't change the law, what can happen in our daily life, in our lifestyle, in, you know, who can protect our rights of our body. So um, I hope in the end of the, this session, we have better idea than petition. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. But um, like you said, uh, sexist remarks are not new, mm. unfortunately. Um, what, what are the social norms uh, behind such comments, do you think? Well, so as I said, you know, um, I've been told that if I'm a true Japanese woman, I guess Asian woman, they don't talk about this thing, which is, you know, I feel that um, there are a huge um, um, taboo in this topic, especially for victims to speak up. And unfortunately, um, last year, our lawmaker, our MP, Mio Sugita, also say that women lies. And over the sex, you know, sexual accusation. And that was sad that, uh, you know, our lawmaker um, even say so. And so there are strong stigma mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. it still today. Mm. And um, some, some cases, some people can be let off the hook by saying that it was just a slip of the tongue. Would you agree? No, no, of course not. Mm -hmm. um, and if, you know, I mean, 
we know it's not because of, let's say, um, how Mr. Mori apologized the well, how he didn't recognize what was wrong with his, um, what he had said. So, no, and we, we can't just say like that. So, you know, okay, he quit, move on. We can't just let that happen mm. ever again. So this is time. This is great time, great opportunity to really um, highlight these issues. Mm. And I also felt that um, the fact that there is a hashtag movement, uh, mm. don't be silenced, mm -hmm. um, is created out of the shared understanding that being silent is equally guilty. Mm -hmm. do, you that, do you think that um, understanding or the mindset is widely being shared today? I hope so. Mm. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why Me Too, hashtag Me Too didn't um, become a huge movement in Japan is because people are so worried and, you know, it's scary what can happen after you as a survivor say something, you know. So... And as what I experienced, online harassment, online violence, with all these horrible, nasty words towards me, I witnessed. So what needs to happen is, you know, we all can be bystander, and what can we do about it? We need to also, you know, um, raise our voice, because mm -hmm. one day it can happen to you. Um, and so me and my friends, we started to think, how can you know, um, me to be voiced out in Japan. And we thought we have to say we too. So we shouldn't, you know, uh, let anyone to be a victim or bystander. And of course, you know, um, perpetrator, but the yeah, bystander is the majority of it. So that's why we have to say something. Oh, yeah. But I see the changes now mm -hmm. online. And, and it's not just about... Um, like, like you are witnessing a, a violent sexual assault um, in front of your eyes. Mm. Um, it's often the case of like, um, you know, some, some sexist comments being mm -hmm. made during the meeting mm -hmm. or some bullying happening mm -hmm. in the classroom mm -hmm. or some forms of sexual harassment mm -hmm. taking place mm -hmm. in offices. Um, and there you have the option of whether you want you remain silent or, or speak mm -hmm. up. Uh, and I think that that is something that uh, many of us would would face in our daily lives. Exactly, it's not a you know really critical moment, but like th those moments in our lives mm. where we are we are um, forced to make uh, decisions, mm -hmm. choices ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we are sort of tested um, in our daily daily lives as well. Exactly, in, in that sense. I think that showed a lot within in what um, Mr. Mori said because what when he had said. Um, the women talks a lot, people around him laughed. That shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. If they have the mind of bystander, knowing it's not, you know, it's not okay, then they should have said, hey, um, I don't think it, it was, you know, appropriated and, you know, you shouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. But we didn't hear that word. So, yeah, it can start from our daily conversation to our meeting any time in a day. True, mm -hmm. true, true. Um, you talked about the movement, like Me Too, um, growing into a We Too movement. Um, this uh, Don't Be Silent hashtag movement, is it a predominantly younger generation movement? Um, how do you see? I mean, I 
don't think it, I mean, I, what I feel whenever I talk about um, sexual violence in Japan, in the beginning, I felt not many young people were involved. Um, but these days I see the difference. Um, um, they use hashtag and also it's, I think because media have been highlighting this issue as well. And so, yeah, I, I don't think it's just the young people, but they have amazing voices and they know how to use the social network platforms to do so. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, you are said to be the, the driving force of Me Too movement in Japan. And then uh, you, you've constantly said that um, it should be a We Too mm. uh, movement. But as a um, survivor and also a journalist, um, what kind of support is lacking in Japan, do you think? Well, I think still today, it's only a few percent about 4% who would go to report to police after the experience of rape. And it's because um, there are a huge, uh, huge, we are lacking this um, victim support system. Um, so for instance, you know, there is rape crisis center, let's say, um, I've, I've been visiting different places in Sweden, London, and Taiwan, but if you go there, even in you know our neighbor um, South Korea as well, if you go there, they will help you to report to police. Mm -hmm. If you go there, you get support for physical treatment, test, and also mental support, um, psychological support. But in Japan, it's I can't say that uh, it's fully provided, and that's where I had a struggle with as well. And. You know, so it's it's also, you know, the social support as well, but uh, it's a lot to do with our education as well, mm -hmm. I think. Because in some um, schools or some study groups, the people are, are making an effort to reach out to a younger generation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to sort of let them know, you mm -hmm. know, what's appropriate mm -hmm. and what's not appropriate mm -hmm. and what is your right. Mm -hmm. um, how can education address this very um, important but sensitive issue? So the problem right now is that uh, in Japanese education, um, you know, it is what lawmakers has to change in our uh, Ministry of Education. But today, the only way we have, we can bring the decent sex education is asking someone from outside because um, in in you know teachers textbook teachers rule book do you call that i don't know um, the, the guideline guideline um it's written that uh, you can only teach after just say after um after the sparmet egg mm -hmm. you know so they don't teach about sex they don't teach of course about consent what happened before it's like a biology class exactly <laughs> and so what can we learn from that. Um, we really need to talk about consent. What's the right for you? What's life for others? And how important it is to talk about, to care about. So it's, it's lacking that from the teacher's guidelines. So how can they teach? They have to risk their own, you know, sake to do so, to step into it. So I think it's a lot to do with our you know, ministry of education. But also, it can, this sex education can also start from, you know, the family mm -hmm. as well, or local. 
Lee. So I think there are ways to use. There are amazing um, YouTubers who is doing so called. Her name is Shiorinu. Mm -hmm. She's we are same name, Shiori. Um, and she is she's providing amazing YouTube videos. So there are ways to do so. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. but. If we don't have the idea of consent in our law, and if we don't teach people about idea of consent, I don't think we can ever uh, make a progress on this issue, unfortunately. Mm, true, true, true. We'd like to take a short break to talk about the Asia Society Triennial, the second installment of the Triennial, which begins March 26 at Asia Society Museum in New York, will feature more than 30 works, over half of which are new commissions across painting, sculpture, installation, video, and performance. Admission to the Asia Society Triennial is free and by advanced ticketing only. For information about hours, ticket reservations, related programs, and to take an advanced tour, go to asiasociety.org triennial. That's asiasociety.org triennial. And now let's get back to the conversation. And then uh, you often talk about the, the, the social norms that um, prevent us, that prevent women uh, from speaking up, uh, raising their voices. Um, I can understand because um, many years back I have the experience of attending a United Nations Population Fund mm. on uh, reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. And there were journalists from... Um, like South Asia or mm. African countries, who sh shared with me their concern, saying that uh, in their society, um, you, you just cannot discuss um, issues related to, to gender or sex or contraception or uh, rape or uh, in, in public. Uh, and it's a big challenge for journalists. You want to, to convey the news, mm -hmm. you want to report the news. But then there is this uh, social norm that, uh, goes something like you no know, women um, sh tend should be should should blush when they talk about these issues. That can be that can intimidate women from speaking up. So how do we break that barrier, the social norm that can intimidate women from speaking up? We just have to speak about it. And what I wanted to do when I spoke about my own experience was that a. Uh, you know, before I went to press conference, even my um, friends or the journalists, um, senior journalists told me that I should wear certain clothes to speak about it. I should behave a certain way so they would trust me. And that's what I was hearing from even police officers, investigators, that they questioned me that if you don't, you don't cry enough, you don't get upset. So we can't believe you. Of course I'm upset, but I have to just stay strong and I w it was so shocking that they have certain idea of victim that they can trust. So what I decided was whenever I'm speaking in public, I just behave myself. I don't want to wear this, you know, mask of victim because we, we live everyday life. You know, we're the same as you are. But unfortunately, I still hear the words, you know, victim don't smile mm -hmm. or something like that. It's, it's, it's in, you know, it's unbelievable. So I think... We just have to be able to talk about it. And that's what Me Too did. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy to see Krawa Dimo, very peaceful protest against um, demanding changing our 
sex offense law mm -hmm. because I think it was the first time in public people come with flower in their hands and start sharing their own experience. I haven't seen that in public. I never seen that. So I think it's happening um, in Japan as well so that they have space to be able to talk about it. So mm -hmm. we just have to talk about it. We can't hide it. Mm -hmm. You might have to start from something small, but it can grow into something mm -hmm. bigger mm -hmm. with, with an impact, perhaps. And this Me Too movement originated in the United States, but um, how do you plan to sort of um, collaborate, cooperate with the similar movements that might exist in Asian countries? Um, do you have any plans to, to cooperate with them or... Um, do you have any plans? Well, I have been visiting, um, a, you know, a, our neighbor countries um, to discuss about that. And because we have very similar background, um, not being able to talk about this issue and also having really um, the, the law has been a huge wall in front of us. So on. But I also, I also see the progressive um, um, action in other country. So I'm. Um, what we can do is, I think we can exchange what they're doing in a good way. What we are doing, what was successful. How did we do push that to you know the law to be um, executed and so on. So because we shared similar background, um, social norm. There are so many ways to um, share it. What I have experienced in South Korea was um, significant because. Um, we shared similar law, but their social movement was such a different take. People would go on the street to demand for the rights. I wonder why that didn't happen in the same way in Japan. But, uh, you know, there are many reasons historically as well. But I think it's, it's so inspiring mm -hmm. to see others, what they, you know, what they're doing. So um, there are many ways that we can share and being inspired to be inspired. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Right, right. Uh, and in the coronavirus world, you might have to be um, even more creative mm -hmm. in sort of uh, organizing a movement. Mm -hmm. You are a journalist and also a film director. And um, I wanted to, to ask you, you know, what issues or topics you want to focus on and the message that you want to continue to convey. Um, so, me and my um, my friend, who's a Swedish journalist, created um, the company called Hanashi Films in London, and we our motto is to shed the lights on the gender-based human rights issues, and it's so it's very broad issue as actually. Mm. But I, what I want to do through documentary film, the storytelling through the film, is that uh, I want to show about someone's life and also reflect to ours because what I realized working in a newsroom, sometimes just uh, you know, um, information goes through and consume and that's it. There's no face, no name on it. So um, through you know, um, documentary film, I think they the power to, to know this person, to get to know what's, what's issue behind it, what social you know, issue behind it. And sometimes it can feel more personal. Mm. But I mean, every case is personal. So um, 
yeah, I want to um, focus on creating documentary films on the gender issue. Mm -hmm. uh, but traveling has become so almost impossible. Mm -hmm. How do you cope with um, not being able to travel to actually cover the issues in the field? It's, it's frustrating. Um, because, so the last trip I made was Sierra Leone a year ago. It's frustrating because I know, um, you know, when the pandemic happened, the violence against women and children increased. Mm. And actually when Sierra Leone, when the, um, um, uh, what was the pandemic that they had before? Ebola. Ebola happened. Um, sexual violence against kids increase mm -hmm. because they couldn't go to school so they stayed in the community so it's, it's frustrating that we can't really cover hands-on mm -hmm. um, but again we have now um, social network that we can share so um, I felt like using the internet talking to people if there there is if there is only you know enough internet connection though made possible for us to connect borderless mm -hmm. so that is great result, but still today, especially filmmaking process, you need to go there and um, film. So it's, it is frustrating that we can't do that now. Mm -hmm. um, I've uh, recently interviewed uh, Dr. Mukwege, Amazing. who is the uh, Nobel Peace Prize mm -hmm. laureate, who's worked mm -hmm. tirelessly on uh, sexual violence against mm -hmm. women. Uh, and he, like you, said that uh, in, in the pandemic, mm. already vulnerable mm. people, are becoming even more exactly. vulnerable mm. or because of the lockdown mm -hmm. or because the um, um, economy not picking up, mm -hmm. um, which is a really um, you know, serious situation. Yeah. So we need to, to keep an eye on that, that situation as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I noticed that you have produced a story on FGM, mm -hmm. the female genital mutilation. Yes. Uh, what was the reason why you wanted to... to um, choose that topic? So, um, the reason why I went to Serion firsthand was because to um, interview why sexual violence against kids during Ebola time happened. So that was the, you know, um, the reason I went there. But then I met girls and they start talking about FGM. Mm -hmm. And I got to know that 90% of women and girls have been experienced this painful experience. And it was shocking. So I met amazing two, two young girls who wanted to change that through radio. So I decided to make a documentary film about that. Mm -hmm. And I watched the film. Thank you. And um, at first I thought that you were covering the issue, uh, the, the problem. Mm. But uh, you were trying to portray the, the girls themselves, mm -hmm. the sort of life that they're leading, uh, what their families say. Um, the sort of uh, living conditions that they mm. are facing. Yeah. Is that the style you want to, to take when you, when you cover s such issue? Yeah, um, because, you know, I myself, a journalist and a filmmaker who is always behind the camera, but because I spoke about my own experience, you know, I positioned, I had to position myself in front of the camera and I learned how violent that can be. And so... And also how, you know, the media can portray you. So what I wish is really portray a people, a person as who they are, mm -hmm. including their daily life. So you know that this person isn't just a victim 
they have name, they have sisters, they have mother, they have loving people around them. And when you see that, I think you can start thinking, oh, she's, look, she's looking like my sister, you know, and you feel more familiar towards the problem. And um, one of the, the um, comment that I got after screening the short clips of um, my film towards a Japanese university student, um, she said that uh, she felt like she has been mentally FGM'd in Japan. So she felt the pain. Mm. Mm -hmm. The idea of FGM is, in, in Sierra Leone at least, is becoming a complete woman. So you can be recognized in society and some work, they only can be offered who's been through this process. Mm -hmm. So it is a ticket. It's like um, becoming of the age thing. Mm -hmm. And, but it's, it's risking many girls' life and it can, you know, uh, it can create the physical issue, but also it mentally, uh, psychologically can traumatize women and girls. So, um, the, because just the idea of this is how women should be. And thankfully, we don't have the practice in Japan, but there is a certain norm, certain shape that a society really creating. This is how Japanese women should behave. Right. And the shocking part was that uh, before this event started, mm -hmm. we were chatting in the corridor mm -hmm. and you said that um, th those norms do not necessarily be imposed by men. Mm -hmm. um, the women can proactively take part in creating that mm -hmm. social norm. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. Um, so on FGM, speaking about FGM again, is um, it's being executed by a women's society in Sierra Leone just because what the mother wants to make you know their daughter you know suitable for the mm -hmm. society, so they can't be kicked out, so they can get a job, they can get married. So knowing they're putting their loved one in the risk, they still do so. And to fit into the mold sort of mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I even interviewed who is the cutter of FGM. And she even says that there's nothing good about FGM, but it's tradition. You have to follow that to survive, he, mm -hmm. she said. And that was shocking that the social pressure is making that happen. Okay. And I also noted that um, the title had episode one. Mm. So does it mean that you have many more stories in the pipeline? So actually we are trying to make it as a um, feature film mm. so that it can be, you know, played out in film, uh, film festivals and, you know, in the wrong no, way. Um, so what the shoot short films that I made is bearable actually only in Japan unfortunately just because we are trying to develop this idea um, this film um, in a longer term because we want to follow these two girls creating radio show mm -hmm. they're they're trying their best to do so knowing it's quite dangerous to speak about this so we want to support from domestic you know we want to support what they're doing but also internationally and that's how I being helped from outside as well it was so difficult to talk about from Japan, from inside, about topic of sexual violence. But when I stepped outside, I could find different way to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So that's what we are trying to do. And it was quite impressive that those um, girls uh, were um, speaking in the class. You know, that they were going to schools and mm -hmm. talking to mm -hmm. uh, young students yes, and pupils. Amazing. 
uh, why um, FGM is not good mm. uh, for you, that, that mm. you should say no when, mm -hmm. when it, it's about to happen mm -hmm. to you. So they themselves are trying to become an agent of change. Mm -hmm. They heard a change, yes. I see a huge hope from them. And, you know, I think seeing these role models for um, younger generation is very important. Right. And so, I, you know, I wish we can promote that as well through the film. True, true, true. But like these um, gender-based human rights abuse, um, wh when they happen, you know, there, there are journalists who keep an eye on those issues and keep covering the issue. Mm -hmm. um, among the other journalists, uh, what difference do you think you can make in covering such issues? Well, I think you know, this documentary filmmaking for me is all about Gwen. How do you translate that? The, the, the en encounter, the... Encounter, mm. Yeah. Mm. I meet these people and I want to tell their story because I sympathize, empathize with it. And so, you know, I think if you have passion of that, everyone can make the, the you know, the film or everyone can tell the story. But I think I have experience of being the other side, to be covered, um, to be victimized as well. Um, I think I know the pain and also um, every time what I try to discuss with um, people whoever I'm filming with is what can happen afterwards. Because sometimes we don't have control of the story when it's, you know, leave our hands. Thank you for listening to Asia In Depth. You can subscribe to this podcast at Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. And check out past episodes at asiasociety.org slash podcast. I'm Michelle Flor Cruz. See you next time. <laughs>